Hey, thanks for joining us for this series that we're calling Founding Fathers. And today, we're gonna to be looking at a specific character from scripture who you can learn from and can help you grow in your faith. God did great things through these men and women, and God can do great things through you. We hope that you enjoy this teaching and that you'll take a moment before you log off to fill out your connection card. We're so glad that you're worshiping with us through this video in these moments, and we hope that it encourages you in your faith. Stay through to the end. We'll have a special message for you when we wrap things up. Enjoy this teaching. Hey, welcome. I'm so glad you're joining us, whether you're here in person or you're online for the beginning of our Founding Fathers series, which for us is simply a continuation in our study of the book of Acts. We started last year in verse 1, chapter 1 of Acts with a series that we called Empowered. Now, the book of Acts follows uh, on the life of Jesus. Jesus came, he was born, we celebrate Christmas, he lived, he taught uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount, he died, and he rose again from the dead, and then ascended into heaven. And everybody was standing there going, what's next? Well, the book of Acts was next. And the book of Acts launches us into God's plan for our generation and our time. The disciples waited patiently for a move of God to happen amongst them. They gathered up in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit ascended on them like a fire, and they began doing incredible works in the name of Jesus, and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people started coming to Christ day after day and week after week, and the small group of several hundred followers of Jesus, after the resurrection of Jesus, empowered by the Spirit of Jesus, began the greatest movement the world will ever know, the church. Jesus predicted it back before he died. He said to Peter, Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, how will God build his church? Well, he's going to build his church with you and I. Spirit-empowered believers using their gifts and abilities, their time, talent, and finances to make disciples who make disciples. And when you are powered by the Holy Spirit, the beginning of Acts says, the sky is the limit. You don't have to do this in your power. You can do this in God's power. Something that will last for eternity. So we pray that God and his spirit will move amongst us in, in amazing ways, even in this generation, like he did in the book of Acts. And he's going to do that through the church. Well, then we talked about what is the church this thing is being built. So we went through the next few chapters chapter 2 through 6, with this series called We Are the Church, because 
The church is not a building. The church is not a worship service at 9 or 10.30. Are you ready for it? 6.30 at night, amen, right? We're getting ready to roll. Tonight's a soft lunch. That's not a church. The church is us. We are the church. We are devoted to prayer. We are devoted to teaching. We are devoted to fellowship. We are devoted to the breaking of bread. We are the deacons, the servers. We are the evangelists. We are the mouth, the feet, the hands, and the heart of God. We are the church. I was talking to somebody around our community, and and they said, where is your church? And I knew they were trying to find the address of a building. But me and my cranky pants went, uh, it's all over the place. And they said, well, well where is where's the church? I said, it's everywhere. We got, we got the church in Pottstown. We got Berks County. We get, we're in Chester County. We're, we're in Montgomery County. We're in these different towns, Morgantown, Elverson, Pottstown. We said, your church isn't in Pottstown. I said, my church is all over Pottstown. He's like, well, where do you guys meet? Oh, you want the address of our building. Yeah, okay, that's 780 Pewtown Road. You know, we get together on, on Sunday mornings, uh, now coming three times. Uh, have I mentioned that before? Because we are the church. And we represent God. We are the movement of God. We are what God is working in and through. You. Me. And my prayer is that Branch Life Church will always be a church that's full, are you ready of this, of disciples who want to make disciples. That's that's my prayer. That our connection with God, the life of a church, of a branch, would be so deep, that we'd be so in love with God, that we would shout from the rooftop, our world needs Jesus. Why? Because I need Jesus. I need him every day, and if I can't get through this day without him, neither can you. God, I know I need you, and so now my friends need you. And the deeper we're connected with Christ, the farther our reach and the more fruit we will bear the life of a branch. And apart from Jesus, we can do what? Nothing. I want my life to count for the kingdom. I want my family to count for the kingdom. I want my church to count for the kingdom. We want to be a part of the movement of God, building the kingdom of God. And how does that happen? One disciple at a time. And to see God move like he did in Acts is a dream that I pray for passionately. So we talked about that as it does in Acts. And then what Acts does, and this is where we're going to be, over the next seven weeks, as we get involved, you hear from all the pastors during this series, we're all taking turns teaching through the book of Acts, and Acts now gives us story after story after story after story of regular people, we're calling them founding fathers, regular people who did extraordinary things to build the kingdom. And you might be saying to yourself, well, who am I? I'm... I'm retired. I'm past my prime, right? I feel that way most nights at 9 o'clock. I'm like, I'm totally past my prime. 
What could God possibly do with me? You don't know my past. You don't know my addictions. You don't know my, my inner thoughts. I don't have any skills. I don't have any talents. I mean, I'm just one person, and there's millions and billions of people on the planet. What can I possibly do? And God is going to show you story after story. As a matter of fact, he goes from this, this where we're starting in Acts chapter 6 all the way up to Acts chapter 13, just introducing you to another story and another story and another story and another story. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at these stories. These stories introduce us to characters who followed passionately after God, characters who fought after God, characters who offered their minuscule talents to God, and God took the ordinary and did extraordinary things, and that's what God is in the business of doing. And so if you don't think you can build a church, you're absolutely desperately wrong. If you don't think that you're needed in the kingdom of God, you are incorrect, ma'am. If you think you're just a teenager that doesn't have anything to offer, that could be the furthest thing from the truth. God absolutely is ready and willing and wanting to use you if you simply pray this prayer. God, I'm going to offer my body a living sacrifice to you, which is wholly unacceptable, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's my reasonable act of worship, and here I am, God, here I am. Use me. Use my family. Use our church in this time and in this generation to see you do amazing things. The first character we're going to look at is Stephen. This is a famous character in the book of Acts, and Stephen is just in the story for these few chapters that we have because, as we've said in the title, Stephen is a martyr. And starting in Acts chapter 6 and verse 8, and if you have your journals, that's going to be page 36. In Acts chapter 6, verse 8, we start to read the story of Stephen. He's introduced to us, but by the end of Acts, by, or by the beginning of chapter 3, Acts chapter 8, verse 3, which will go to page 46 on your journals, Stephen is dead. And he's no longer alive. How could somebody who we just learn about for just a few Chapters, a few verses, one story in the place of Stephen. Be considered a founding father of our church. God, as we come to you today and we think about the life of Stephen, we want to, to be open to the move of your spirit in our lives. God, challenge us. Lord, encourage us. God, feed us today. Deepen our connection to Christ. Inspire us, Lord to be builders of your church, to give our lives to something that matters and something that counts and something that will last. Like Stephen did, he gave everything, Lord. And may we be willing to do the same. In your precious name we pray, amen. In Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 3, uh, starting in verse uh, in 8, let me read this for you. I had it open and then I put it down and I have to open it again. Acts chapter 6, verse 8. I'm, I'm totally just stalling as I find my spot. Ha. Let's start in verse, Acts chapter 6, verse 1. We'll bring you up to this verse. Now in those days, when the disciples were increasing in number. All right, so, so remember, God was moving. The Holy Spirit was here. Thousands upon thousands were getting saved. And so there were the 12 apostles and the couple hundred disciples. The disciples were increasing in number. Not just a couple hundred, but thousands and thousands, right? So this is a big thing. A complaint by the Hellenists arose, those Hellenists always create, always raising Hellenist stuff. They arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. 
The 12 apostles summoned the full number of disciples and said, it's not right for us to give up the preaching of the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, who will appoint, we will appoint this duty, and we will then continue to devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And so it pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurius, and Nicnanor, and Timon, and Pumba, and, uh, no, Parmesius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. Listen to this, verse 7. If it's not underlined, underline it. And the word of God continued to increase, and the numbers of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Now, you think about great multiplication. We got 3,000 saved over here, 5,000 saved over there, 10,000 saved over here. Now it's not even going to give you numbers. When they appointed deacons to do the work of waiting on tables, what God did is he started multiplying it bigger than the numbers could keep track of. What's 10,000 times 10,000, right? Wow, right? There's, there's this move of God that's taking place. Why? Because people started to serve. The leaders of the church, the leaders of this movement had to keep the main thing the main thing. They had to keep dedicated to the word of God. They had to keep moving forward with the vision of God. They had to hear from God. They had to be in prayer with who God was. They couldn't stop those things and start to meet all the needs that they had now in their community that was being built. But those are legitimate needs. Those are legitimate problems. Those are the legitimate systems that need to be built. We've got to figure out to care for the widows whose husbands are died, and they don't have Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. They got nothing. They just need the body of Christ to love one another, to provide for one another. So how do I do that and study and prepare for the word and be in dedicated to prayer and hear from God? What do we need? We need servers. We need, the Bible calls them deacons. And these deacons got to get to work waiting on tables and serving these meals and helping these families be fed. And where there's hungry people, deacons got to show up and feed the hungry. Where, where, there's, where there's logistics that got to be figured out, we got deacons that need to care for the logistics. We got we to take care of the building. We got to take care of the, 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 the event that's coming up. All these widows are going to show up and someone's got to coordinate that and do the logistics. We got to take care of leading worship. We got to take care of all that has to happen. How are we going to do all that? Deacons, servants, men filled with the Holy Spirit. And do you see who deacon number one was? Stephen. All the other guys, all the other Timons and Pumbas, they, they just got mentioned because they, I mean, they had their name mentioned in the Bible, and that's awesome. Like, I like names in the Bible. That's cool. Like, if you did something that was Bible-worthy, awesome. So I'm not putting Timon down, but Stephen. Stephen got a whole descriptive sentence. Did you see it? And they chose for him Stephen, right, in verse at verse 5, and when it was pleased the whole gathering, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Spirit. Right? So Luke wants us to understand that Stephen was special, man. He was full of faith. He's full of spirit. In other words, full of faith. Stephen, life is really hard right now. How are you getting through this? I got God. Right? Like, I'm going to be fine. I have faith in God. I trust in God. There's this proverb from David that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your understanding. Stephen's like, that's me. I'm trusting in God. 
it, it's, there's a pandemic. What are we going to do, Stephen? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust in God. He's going to get me through this. We're, we got, we got financial problems, Stephen. What are we going to do? I'm going to trust in God. He's going to get me through this. I'm full of faith, and he's full of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means Stephen could do things that no ordinary person could do, <laughs> right? Stephen, Stephen could have peace in the storm. Stephen could be content with not much. Stephen could be able to share words of wisdom that we're going to see in a little bit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He had a fire about him. He had an excitement about him that, that nobody could let go of. If you want somebody who's excited to follow online, follow Ed Newton. I'm gonna, Ed Newton is a pastor down in Antonio, Texas. How do I know Ed Newton? Ed Newton and I were counselors together. A few sermons ago, I said, Ed gave us the chant, fired up for Jesus. He was always fired up for Jesus, right? If I'm going to think of who do I know in my world that's filled with the Holy Spirit, it's Ed Newton. Now, Ed's on a platform every day, every Saturday, every Sunday in Texas, right? And he's still fired up for Jesus, right? And they're posting stuff online. I watch Ed every week, and I'm like, Ed, you're so, you're so encouraging, man. Like, you're so exciting. Like, you're so awesome about pointing people back to God and back to Jesus. That was Stephen. That was Stephen. And Stephen, Stephen was, was chosen to serve. And, and here's, here's what we learn from this first description of Stephen. The church grows most when servants serve. The church grows most when servants serve. This ability for people to be chosen and, and to be delegated responsibilities, to begin waiting on tables and feeding the hungry and and giving water to the thirsty, and clothing the naked, and providing for, for the, the logistics, and the administration, and the leadership that was needed to direct this movement of the church. When all of that was being done, now the floodgates opened, and the church began to grow and multiply like never before. Listen, listen, I'm, we start, some of you don't know this, because you've joined us in the last couple months, and we don't really talk about it a ton. Branch Life Church is young. We're a couple years old. Two years ago, there was a, um, a snowstorm on Valentine's week, two years ago. We have had no snow this year, none whatsoever. There's, there's a snowstorm. So my Facebook memory pops up of me standing out in the snow going, hey, we're still going to have worship, and we're going to be meeting in this gymnasium over here, and, and come, and there's going to be some people in a living room over there, and there's going to be some people in a, in a, in a multi-purpose room over here, and we're going to keep worshiping. That was just two years ago that we were spread out all over the place, two Valentine's days ago. And then in the last two years, we've been able to get this building, and God's brought us together, and we were able to renovate and worship, and we call this our home. And some people walk in, and they're like, you guys have probably been here forever. We're like, no, we've barely been here for two years. Like, it's new. And we are in the process of, of growing and building and even putting into place servers and deacons. And I, I'm going to just stand before you and tell you, I feel the pressure to not neglect the word of God and the, the ministry of prayer to go get stuff done. Because I'm, I'm telling you, there's always something to get done. There's always somebody who needs something, and I don't mean that in a bad way. There's always, there's always, uh, there's always some piece of administration that has to happen. We've got to schedule this, and we've got to multimedia that, and we've got to organize this, and we've got to get a point person over here, and there's some training, and there's activities, and then there's, there's crisis in the community that we've got to be a part of, and, and all of a sudden, we're, I'm, we're jumping, and, I, and I'm, I'm constantly going, but I got I to gotta study. 
but I got to go help. I got to study, but I got to organize. I got to study, but I got to, you know, and it's, it's back and forth. How in the world, how are we supposed to do that? Ready for it? Ready for it? Ready for it? Deacons, you guys, servers, and what people, people often say, man, how, how you guys have grown so quick in, in just a couple of years. You know how we've grown so quick? You guys, worship leaders, team members, directors, team leaders, you guys have jumped in. Small group leaders, you guys have been amazing. I mean, just give a hoop holler for our small group leaders. Like, that, they're, they're meeting needs left and right on a weekly basis. Hosts that have been coordinating, people that have helped us handle crisis, crisis care in our community, people that count the money that comes in every week. I can't even, you don't want me doing that because I'll count it wrong. And all of a sudden, it's starting to grow. And now we're going, like, we, we, don't got, we don't got room to worship together on Sunday morning, so let's do Sunday nights. Okay, well, how does that happen? I don't know. i got to keep studying. Like, something's, something's got to happen. How do we organize that? How do we do that? Well, it's you guys. You guys are making that available. And when we, we said, who, who can help us lead teams? We have now new team leaders for Sunday nights who are just concentrating on Sunday nights, brand new, never led a team at Branch before. We've got new worship leaders. We've got new greeters. We've new new greeter team leaders, new cafe team leaders. We've got new prayer team leaders. And these are growing. And you saw me put names out on the email. We're, we're looking for more team leaders and more team members. Why? Because we think on Sunday night, God can use that if we offer that to him. And God says, I'm going to take this. I'm gonna, he's going to use it to reach young people. He's going to use it to reach uh, young families. He's going to use it to reach those that have disconnected from the church. And we're going we're gonna, to, I don't know, we're, let's try to feed them. Let's give them extra coffee. And let's make Sunday nights an option where people can come together How's that going to happen? People are going to serve. People are going to serve, and they're going to raise their hand, and they're saying, I'm going to serve. You know, that, that's exactly what Stephen was known for. It's not right to give up preachings to serve on tables. Therefore, let's pick men to do this duty of serving on tables who will devote ourselves so we can devote ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word. And they chose Stephen, a man full of the Holy Spirit, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Here's the moral of the story. Our greatest calling is to build the church. Our greatest calling is to build the church. And how do we do that? We serve one table at a time. We serve one table at a time. And so many of us, listen, listen to me, so if, we, if you need to repent of something today, maybe you need to repent of this. I've been building everything but the church. And, and I, I, in this moment, God is reminding me because I've become distracted. I thought building my family was our greatest calling. I thought building my business was the greatest calling. I thought building my bank account was the greatest calling. I thought building my social media presence was my greatest calling. I thought building a, a reputation, a building a nonprofit was my greatest calling. I thought helping people was my greatest. No, no, no. God says, I want you to build my church. How do I know this? As Jesus was leaving into heaven, he looked down at his church. He looked down at his disciples. He said, go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to do everything that I've commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always as you do what? As you make disciples. He's called us to make disciples who make disciples, and that's our vision for Branch Life Church. Why in heaven's name do I want to preach three times on Sundays? Because if God's going to use it to, to make disciples, I'm all in. If it gives us the opportunity to get more people serving, that means more multiplication, then let's go. 
And I don't want to just start a third service. We want to start more churches. We want to start more campuses. Our dream is 15 churches in 15 years. That is something that only the Holy Spirit could do. And that's something that could only happen is all of us are all in to build the church. And, and let me tell you this, if all of us are all in to build the church, that happens no problems. That happens no problems. And what if like-minded churches all buy into this and we all say, hey, let's all build churches together and we can lock arms and storm the gates of hell. The Bible says that, that the gates of hell will not stand against it. One disciple at a time, we build the church. And that's our greatest calling and some of us have let that calling go. We've confused it and we've said, my greatest calling is to attend the church. That's not it. <laughs> my greatest calling is to keep the church clean. That's not it. <laughs> my greatest calling is to build the church. See, church is less about being for you and more about who you're being for. And we don't come here for us as much as we come together for others, and for him. God has called us to do something that's going to count for eternity. And his plan A for the world is the church. Stephen, a man full of the spirit and full of faith, dedicated himself to this cause. Now, in God's hands, we learn from Stephen that the ordinary then becomes extraordinary. In God's hands, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. Look how Stephen is described as we continue through chapter 6. It says in verse 5, Stephen was full of faith and the Holy Spirit. See, he had this Holy Spirit fire about him. He had this passion to follow God. In Acts chapter 6, verse 8, it says, Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs. So all of a sudden, the waiter, right? The waiter. Can I get you your meal today? Yes, please. I'll take a double cheeseburger with fries. I'm, I'm going to get on that right now. As Stephen goes back, he comes back, he goes, you know what? Can I just pray with you for a little bit? Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to pray together. God, help this family. What, what do you need help with? We just need help with some of our finances. And Stephen would pour over their finances. And Stephen would say, listen, if you want to be a part of a conversation about how God can redeem your, your, and provide for you, I want to introduce you to Jesus, right? And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, with Stephen, he's seeing great things happen as he's waiting on tables. People start coming to Christ. People start hearing about Christ. The church begins to multiply. And at the center of that conversation, always in that mix, is Stephen. And who is Stephen? He's a waiter. He's a waiter. And God started using this waiter to do great and amazing things. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen was speaking. Stephen started to do some great things, and he started to get challenged. People started to come up to Stephen and say, how, do, how can you believe in that God? How does Jesus make a difference for you? Why do you think he actually rose from the dead? And Stephen would, would give them the reason for his faith. He would give them the truth from the word of God. He would give them what the Spirit gave him, and they couldn't argue with it. They couldn't disagree with it, because he was giving them truth. And so when Stephen talked, he talked with this wisdom that was above any man's wisdom who is he he's a waiter and you might say to yourself i don't i don't think it's a big deal that i wave cars in and i get them to park straight and when they come out i say hey welcome i'm glad you came to worship today and i send them into the inside that's not a big deal it may not be a big deal to open the door for someone and say hey welcome 
It may not feel like a big deal to say, I'm going to hold this baby for 30 or 40 minutes so mom and dad can get away and worship. It may not feel like a big deal to organize the pens and the cards so that they're nice and straight when you get here on a Sunday morning. It may not feel like a big deal to go deliver a meal. It's just one meal to a family in need. It may not feel like a big deal to stop for a moment and to pray for someone for five or ten seconds when the Holy Spirit prompts you to do that. It may not feel like a big deal to help us sing a couple songs and to be a background singer or to play percussion. It may not feel like a big deal to volunteer your Sunday evenings to help launch another service. It may not feel like it's a lot when you give a dollar or two dollars in the new offering boxes. Did you see the new offering boxes? Aren't those shiny? And you start, you start putting those things. You say, I don't know what God's going to do with this, but listen to me. I want to tell you this right now. God is in the business of taking the ordinary and making it extraordinary. And he can take you, whatever gifts that you give, whatever talents that you have, whatever time that you set aside, whatever it is, whatever ordinary thing you give to God, and he can do something extraordinary with it. You don't know what that wave means to someone. You don't know what that hug means. You don't know what that prayer is going to do. You don't know where that dollar is going to go and how it's going to impact the kingdom. And when you serve, you're a part of the multiplication process with every salvation and every decision. And when you sit down and you buy someone a cup of coffee and they say, tell me about your Jesus, and you say, I'm going to tell you about my Jesus, and they receive Jesus as their personal Savior because you bought them a cup of coffee, God takes the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. And the church begins to build. And the church begins to grow. Stephen is not extraordinary in any way, shape, or form. He's ordinary like you and me, dedicated to doing what needs to be done so that the work of God can continue to grow. And he's in a living example that the Spirit builds the most extraordinary movement in the world one ordinary act at a time. The Spirit builds the most extraordinary movement in the world, the church, one ordinary act at a time. What can you do this week? What ordinary thing can you do this week in the name of God to build the church? And it has been those ordinary acts from the time of Stephen till today that have caused the church of God to continue to multiply and expand, and it is the greatest movement that the world has ever known. And we, Branch Life Church, get to be a small part of it in our town, in our world, in our country, in our generation, in our time. And there's going to be more and greater things that are done that have nothing to do with our section, but we want to be offered for God to do whatever he can do. We want to be a part of this movement. So are you dedicated, friend, to building the church? Are you ready to give God whatever gifts, whatever time, whatever energy you have? Are you ready to give him your family, to give him your evening, to give him your morning, to give him a, a dedicated prayer life? Are you able to give him some of your finances, your treasures, your possessions? Are you offering that to build whatever, what will count one disciple at a time? If you're ready to do that, God is ready to take your ordinary gifts and do something extraordinary. Do you have the faith to believe that that's what God wants to do? If you're ready to go and you're ready to launch, I'm inviting you to jump in. Just take that connection card and say, I'm in. Tell me, tell me how you want me to serve. Get down on your knees today and start praying. Praying that the Spirit will build something extraordinary. Because the Spirit of God is on the move. In, in, in God's hands, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. Some people have asked me this week what I think about the Ashbury Revival. Have you heard about this going on in Kentucky? At a college about 12 days ago, there was a chapel. I've listened to the chapel message that led to this. It wasn't that great. 
It was just, just normal. I actually was like, he could have organized that better, and, and it could have been more exciting. And Is this really what happened before revival broke out? <laughs> I don't know. And then I listened to his prayer. And after that chapel service got done, in the prayer, he did pray for revival. And he prayed God would do some great things. And I, you know what I said? I said that there, there was genuine heart feeling there. There's no pizzazz. There's no charisma. It was just God. God, do something, do something extraordinary with something ordinary. And after that moment, as the story goes, there were several college students that just decided they wanted to keep praying. They wanted to keep worshiping. They wanted to repent. They, they, they wanted to make things right with God. And so a small group of them stayed, and they decided to just do that. And there was a, a movement of the Spirit where people began turning to God, repenting of their sins, repenting of their shortcomings, confessing before the Lord, falling down in worship before God, reading the Scripture, and just letting it soak over them. And they allowed this, this response to the Spirit to happen. You know what they didn't do? They didn't quench the Spirit, right, and say, I got to go, I got to be done, I got to stop. And, and something happened, and that, that revival, that, that repentance, that worship, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, has now been happening continually 24-7 around the clock for over 12 days, and people from around the country are going to this revival spot so that they can be a part of this repentance. There's a picture that I saw from this that just broke my heart, and it wasn't a, one of the coolest things about this revival is it's not, it's not being led by any one name. We don't have a president of a college or a, a speaker or a, or a famous celebrity pastor or a musician that's leading it. Nobody knows who's leading it. It's, a, it's no name. It's just a bunch of Generation Z that are like, I'm on fire for Jesus. But a, a man in his 70s or 80s came to that revival and someone took a picture of him kneeling in the front, grabbing onto the spindles of the platform, and he's just broken before the Lord and he's pouring out his heart saying, God, do something extraordinary with the ordinary. What do I think about it? Is this real? Is it something that's happened? Here's what I think about it. Praise God. And if the Spirit is moving, I'm, I'm, out, I'm out of the way. Like, I'm not standing in front of God. And like the book of Acts says, is if this is from God, then who are we to stand in the way? And if it's not from God, if it's a man, it's not going to last. But if the Spirit's moving, I'm praying that the Spirit doesn't just move in Kentucky, but that the Spirit moves in Pottstown. That the Spirit moves in the Northeast, right? We need a move of the Spirit here in the Northeast. In Philadelphia, in New York City, I want Eagles fans in heaven, amen? Like, I want to see the move of the Spirit happen in Russia. I want to see it happen in Brazil and in Canada and in Ukraine. In Turkey and in Syria, 50,000 people have died of earthquakes. You know what they need? They need revival and Jesus over there. They need people to come in and show them the love of Jesus. Like, that's what has to happen in our world. And so if the Spirit is moving for you to get more connected with Christ, then you do not stand in the way of that Spirit. And don't say, I'm going to do it next week, or I'm going to offer it next time, or I'm going to think about it. If the Spirit's moving, let Him move. And you go to prayer, you go to repentance, you go to service, you go to worship, you go to your Word of God. Whenever the Spirit prompts you, because he says the one thing you can't do with the Spirit of God is quench it. Do not quench the Spirit. So I pray, I pray for the Spirit to move like we've never seen before. And I pray that it spreads. And apparently this revival spreading all over to college campuses where I guess they have time for this kind of thing. And they get to host worship services and, and, 
and Bible readings and prayer times and song times all together with Jesus. And if, if you want to keep praying after any service, we have people available here in the front. There is nothing special about this platform. But if you want to pray here, you can. If you want to pray at your chair, you can. If you want to go back to the prayer room at any time, you can. You can be a part of prayer in God's, God's kingdom and, and a part of revival and let him see something extraordinary happen out of the ordinary. We're just one ordinary teeny tiny church, 780 Pewtown Road, spread out all over the place. But I think if we give God us, he can do something extraordinary. Now that's where Stephen was. And so people were looking at the church going, you know what, this church thing's going to be awesome. You know why it's going to be awesome? Because they got people like Stephen. Yeah? They, they got people like, like Stephen who, who he just, he serves all the time. He, he, he teaches really well. He's, he's just great to be around. He's praying for us. They got Stephen. And I, I think the church is in good hands. And the church is going to do just fine. But the, the problem with that is that the very next chapter in Stephen's life was suffering and death. Here comes this bright and shining star for Jesus. And God's using him. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and he's trusting God and he's doing exactly what God wants him to do. And God says, Stephen, I'm going to ask you to give your life for the church. And for all of us, God's plan might include suffering and death. You might be there going, all right, I'm in. Holy Spirit, use me. I'm ready to build the church. And I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all in and I'm going to start being a pastor or something, or I'm going to be a deacon, or I'm going to be a director, or I'm going to help serve on Sunday nights, and, and you're going to jump in, and then that means that your life is going to be problem-free, and you're going to be able to have no more issues, and you're just going to have faith to move mountains, and then you realize then the next week that all of a sudden you get the cancer diagnosis, or your family friend has a, has a terrible accident, or some relationship falls apart. Why? On one hand, Satan is alive and well, and the last thing he wants you to do is get on fire for Jesus. Satan looks at Stephen and says, we got to get him. We got to get him, and I'm going to get some of my troops, and we're going to rally him, and we're going to put him on a false mock trial, and we're going to tell lies about him, and we're going to get the religious leaders and the country against him, and, and that's exactly what happened. And Stephen gave this incredible speech in chapter 7 that points to God. And at the end of the speech in chapter 7, Jesus, uh, Stephen sees Jesus himself in heaven. He has a vision of Jesus. How does Stephen know he was Jesus? Stephen saw Jesus alive and well, and he's like, wait, that's the guy that used to be here. Now he's there. Stephen sees Jesus, right? It's like Jesus is standing up there going, go Stephen. Yeah, man, you go, brother. Power of the Holy Spirit's on you. Let's move, Stephen. And he saw Jesus, right? And in that moment, he's taken out, and he's stoned to death. And as, as he's as he's being stoned to death, the Bible says, and they were, as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. That just points back to me as a man full of faith. If God would take me home tomorrow, my home is heaven. I can't think of a better place to be than the side by, by Jesus' side. So if I'm all of a sudden missing one day, Listen, I'm fine. I'm in heaven. If I'm no longer here and my, my job is done here on earth, I'm good. And Stephen's like, I guess I'm done. God, here I come. I'm coming home. Let's, let's hang out. Let's worship together. 
Let's my faith now be sight. And then falling on his knees, right? His first thought was, I'm going to be with Jesus. And then falling on his knees, he cried with a loud voice. His second thought, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Wow, man. What does he want for the people that are killing him? He wants them to come to Christ. He wants them to be a part of the church. He wants them in heaven with him someday. And even though they are literally throwing stones that are going to murder this man in the streets, he says, God, forgive them. Help them. And the Bible says that there was a man standing there holding the coats of those who were throwing the stones named Saul. And I guarantee that Saul heard Stephen say, don't hold this sin against them. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to see Saul the killer. And don't forget this moment because Stephen prays for Saul right there. And Saul will become one of the greatest builders the church has ever known when he changes his name to Paul. And what happens is God, Satan tries to stomp out the fire. Alex is going to talk to you about this next week when he talks about Philip. And the fire's getting started. And Satan says, I'm going to, I'm going to stomp out the fire. And so he stomps out the fire and he takes Stephen's life, right? You know what happens when you stomp a fire? What happens? Embers go everywhere. And the fire starts spreading, and although Stephen's life was snuffed out, the fire of the church began to bleed and began to grow and began to burn in other parts of the world. What, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. And if you're worried about losing your life, if you're worried about suffering or the hard things that you're going on to, if you don't think God can use those things for good, let me hear, you, let me hear this loud and clear. Whatever you are going through and however much pain you're in, God can use that for good. And what if God is allowing you to suffer for the good of the kingdom? Well, then I offer my suffering as a living sacrifice. And if my death will build the kingdom, I offer my life as a living sacrifice to God. It's my reasonable act of worship. And you, you shouldn't be holding on to your life as something special and precious that can't be lost. Listen, God has already asked you to give your life. God calls us to give our lives to the church. He calls us to lay it down. He calls us to give everything that we have so that our lives are to the building of the kingdom of God what will last for eternity? What will count forever? What will we be celebrating 10,000 years from now is what we did to build the church one disciple at a time. So my all in all is given to this cause. And Branch Life Church, we are dedicated to the building of his church here and around the world one disciple at a time. As followers of Jesus, this is our calling to build his church, how can you serve? Where is your strength? Is it in yourself? Or is it in the spirit of God? And what will you sacrifice? Today as we close our service, I want to just prompt you into the season of prayer. In a moment, prayer team members will be available in the front and if you would like to pray with them, they can be here to pray with you over any need and we offer that every week. But maybe you just need to pray a prayer of confession. Maybe you need to pray a prayer of repentance. Maybe you need to pray a prayer and say, Spirit, I don't know what to pray. Help me out, God. 
And if you want to continue in that spirit of prayer, you can stay in your seat. You can grab a partner and go downstairs to the cafe. You can go to the prayer room for the whole next service and be a part of prayer. But whatever your prayer needs are, hey, let's, let's bring them before the Lord. And if you're saying, I don't know where to serve. I don't know what I can sacrifice. I've been doing this on my own strength. Maybe today's the day where you say, God, I'm, I'm going to listen. I'm going to open myself to the spirit. And the best way we know how to do that is prayer. And if you're here today and you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus Christ, listen, listen to me. Today's the day. Jesus loves you. He died for you. And what you need is Jesus. And so don't leave this place thinking that you can go out and figure it out, that you, can, uh, that you, can, you need one more question answered or you need more time. Listen, you don't. All you need is Jesus. So today I want to call you, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to call you to a personal, personal faith in Christ. Accept Jesus as your Savior. Don't trust in anything else to save you because it can't. Only Jesus can. And if you have questions about your faith or you want to pray for salvation, come up and talk to the prayer team member. Or right there in your seat, have this conversation with God that I'll leave you in in a moment. And you can go to the gospel tab at any time. And in in these moments, I want to lead us in a time of prayer, silent and led prayers together. And then Chris is going to come up and close our service. We're going to ask you to take some time and write some stuff on the cards for us. And then we're going to ask God to do something great through this series, something great in our midst and in our family, something great in our community, in our world, as we follow the leading of the Spirit. Lord, as we come to you this morning and we think we thank you for the life of Stephen, Lord, we thank you for the example that he gave us and God, the inspiration that he provides that, God, if we just give you ourselves, whatever that is, Lord, you can take our ordinary and make it extraordinary. And so today, we, in, in these moments, we offer our hearts, our minds, our families, our, our church to you. And God, we say, Lord, this is it. This is reasonable, and will you use it for the building of the kingdom? God, we pray for the salvation of our family and our friends. We pray for the salvation of our neighbors and our communities. We pray for a revival here in the greater Pottstown and Philadelphia area, throughout the Northeast, God, throughout the world. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would move in an amazing way in amazing lives. And God, would you use us in some powerful way this week to be a part of that momentum that is the spirit of God. Lord, give us words. Give us time. Give us the ability and the foresight. Give us moments with you. And God, in the quietness of these moments, God, we want to just confess our sins to you. We want to repent, Lord, of, of maybe building the wrong thing. And God, we want to turn from those wicked ways and turn towards Christ in these moments. In the quietness of the moment, as the Spirit leads, will you just pray to God in a spirit of confession and repentance? And whatever he brings to mind, offer it back to God. And now, God, we give you ourselves, and we ask you to show us, Lord, where we go from here, how you can use us to be your hands and feet. And God, would you do great things in our midst? Lord, if there's any here that don't know you as personal Lord and Savior, God, would you lead them to to you now, even in these moments? If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and you would like to, just simply have this conversation with God. Say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for trusting in myself or trusting in religion to save me. And God, today, I trust in the name of Jesus for my salvation. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. 
I thank you, God, that Jesus came, that he died on the cross, and he rose again from the dead. And I want to accept the free gift of salvation today. Today, if you prayed that prayer, we would love to celebrate that with you. Let us know that on the cards. God, thank you for moving in our midst this morning. Continue to guide us in the next service and the evening service tonight. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for this special teaching in our Founding Fathers series. We hope that it's encouraged you in some way. We have been praying for you and are so glad that you've logged on. Before you go, go to branchlife.church and fill out that connection card. We would love to hear from you. We would love to pray for you. And we hope that you'll join us next time as we go further and deeper in our faith.